Log in your cassette player. It's time for Rec Play, the real creator talk show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Rec Play. I will introduce myself. My name is Macy. I'll be the moderator for this conversation. Very excited to be here. A little bit about myself. I am a dancer, model. I've hosted for What's Up Montreal, and I am just an all-around creative and very active when it comes to the Black Lives Matter movement um, that obviously we've seen grow in the past few weeks. So um, this brings us to the conversation of the day, which is um, Black representation in the media. And we have two panelists today. I love both of these individuals. We have Steve and Tiff. And I'm going to give them a little opportunity to give a little spiel about themselves because we like to spiel and hear about who they are and what they do. So I see uh, Daniel is sipping. <laughs> so Daniel, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I, my name is Steve Daniel. I am a content creator um, as well as the host and DJ. And basically, I've been knowing Patrick for a while now, right? We had some nice... Uh, media trips together and we're working on some nice projects and uh, yeah I mean I'm very involved in the French and English media uh, I love what I do I've been doing this full-time for the past three years work with a lot of amazing brands and yeah go <laughs> go go subscribe to my new YouTube channel go, mm, yes what, what about the YouTube channel the masterclass the masterclass <laughs> oh the masterclass I'll talk about it at the end <laughs> okay. plug. Okay, 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 okay. Too much plugs to come through. <laughs> we will plug it when it's time to plug. So. Okay, okay, okay. I got Tiffany, excited. Take it away. Take it away. Um, so my name is <laughs> Tiffany, and I know this awesome group of people because I used to host on What's Up Montreal. So I go way back with Patrick, and I met uh, Steve and Macy through this platform as well. I've hosted on uh, several other platforms, but now I'm more into marketing. Yeah, I still use my voice and I try to be very vocal as possible um, when it comes to the Black Lives Matter movement because obviously it means the world, it means a lot to me. So I'm going to use the platform that I have. Um, but yeah, I'm just obsessed with media and it's my medium of communicating to, to an audience. That's it. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Tiff. <laughs> so when it comes to um, Black representation in the media, just thought it would be important to touch upon the fact that when we speak of media, there seems to be a very um, niche description and definition as to what we mean. But I would also like to broaden your perspective of what media means. So we talk about television, we talk about news, magazine, new newspapers, TV shows, reality, reality shows. So everything um, that has to do with consuming visuals that ties into what our view of society is falls under what media is as well. So. We are going to explore how media um, intersects with Black culture and the representation of Black bodies um, in these different mediums. So to segue into our first question, I invite you both to think about uh, your childhood. So take a little trip back to memory lane, uh, little, little Daniel, little Tiff, little Macy, <laughs> little all of you. <laughs> and um, I'd like you to talk about uh, what forms of media you consume when you were a child? Um, so as a child and like in my teenagehood, I was obviously super obsessed with Oprah. It was like school, get home at 3.15 and eat something really quickly and 4 p.m. religiously. 
I would be watching the Oprah Winfrey show. So that, I think I started at maybe like six or seven. I didn't understand it then, but like, obviously I got to know it more in my teenagehood. And it was just, I was just like amazed with how she was able to really connect with her audience and tell people stories. And um, that's what really ignited my passion for media. Besides that, um, I would watch like sitcoms, you know, Fresh Prince, um, My Wife and Kids, you know, all those old school shows. Um, mm -hmm. But it was always US centered. It was never really local. It was never really um, based out of Canada or Montreal because maybe there was in the French way. There was French media, but I didn't consume French media when I was younger. So it was always like an American story. And that's what really ingrained in me that as soon as I finished my studies, I want to move to the States. I was like brainwashed. So yeah, that's, it's unfortunate that it wasn't um, local, but it was still amazing. It's actually funny because me was uh, the total opposite. So I didn't speak English until the age of like 18 years old. So everything I was uh, consuming was actually French content, French television, French newspapers, French magazines. So um, for sure, you see the difference between the black representation in the French culture versus the English culture. We didn't, I didn't have that much of black shows to watch when I was a kid, you know? So for me, it was uh, just a different way uh, to connect with my color in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. I, I kind of relate to both of you actually. So growing up, I feel like I had, I had cable and I had Télé-Québec, which was, you know, the, the, the French side of things. And I was speaking English at home because I was going to English school. But when I got, um, when I got, no, actually I said I had cable. I didn't have cable. But when I got cable, um, I got to see Disney shows. And uh, what I noticed a lot uh, with consuming these kind of medias, it seems like Black people were always perceived either as a cartoon or either as something mystical like mystical when i when i think of like that's a raven like a black girl who had superpowers i could see into the future i was like well that i mean i relate with who she is but i can't see into the future although i wish i could but it always seemed like a far-fetched reality of what i could actually obtain so um another question in seeing these um these black bodies portrayed in the media did you relate in any sense to them um did you see yourself at all, uh, whether it be, you know, age-wise, uh, size, color, because we know also when we are consuming uh, media, there's colorism that also comes into play. So I'd like to um, pick your brains a little bit about that too. Steve? I'm thinking about it right now. You're in a deep thought. Yeah. I don't think <laughs> While so. you complete that thought, um, I'll, I'll answer. Um, no, I never truly saw myself in any anyone that I watched. And that was another motivator. I'm like, if I don't see myself, I'm going to position myself so that someone that looks like me that's younger, they can have someone to look up to. So that was a motivator behind like my my reasoning to pursue media but you just said that like that's a raven was mystical i didn't even think of it like that i was obsessed with that's a raven and it's true there's a lot of mystical or like unrealness when it comes to portraying a black character so in retrospect i'm thinking about it no there's no one i really saw that represented me entirely there was bits and pieces from different characters but no one was the whole version of me mm -hmm. yeah I mean, think about the Honest. Crab family. Sorry. 
go, no, go no, ahead. Go, 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 no. Yeah, The Proud Family. I, <laughs> the Proud Family. I'm not sure if you all are familiar, but it's a, a oh, Disney yeah. show that's like a, a Black family. They're like, honestly, they remind me of my family. So that's one thing I really resonated with. But like, again, it being a cartoon and being like, well, is does this family actually exist? And are they able to push the narratives of, I guess, the... Um, the the over-exaggerating of what Black culture could be only because they're cartoons. It wasn't real bodies actually embodying like these characters, which made it very um, much fictional, which I feel like sometimes allows for over-exaggeration of um, stereotypes to be portrayed in the media, especially if they're, they aren't actual tangible uh, human beings, if I could say that in that way. That's but true. yes, Daniel, I, I saw you <laughs> No, but I mean, for, for me, um, the more I think about it, the only person I would feel connected to at a time, like you said, like, it makes sense, you know, when you're younger, the, the Black people are portrayed more a cartoon or mystic, and I'm a big fan of Rocky, and the only character I can remember, no caption, I didn't watch French Prince of Bel-Air when I was a kid, I didn't speak English. Um, <laughs> And it was actually uh, in Rocky was uh, was uh, Creed, Apollo Creed was actually the guy that I liked. So I was a big fan of Rocky, big fan of Creed, and that's why when I I grew up, I was very into like sports and and training because you're right. Like when you're younger, there's not that much character that are actually like normal character in the black in the black industry. And even when it comes to stories. Um, at school, I went to a French elementary. We never co covered any type of French um, black literature. So I, I was speaking French in school because I would get a detention if they heard one word of English. And then when I got home, um, my mom would read me like storybooks and stuff. But there was never like we see today where black characters are the main character and they're talking about a heroic story or any type of, of story. So I'm glad to see that in today's media that there are children books and, and stories that feature black characters because I didn't have that in my childhood. Mm -hmm. Wait, old are you if you don't mind me asking? You're gonna ask oh. me on a Zoom call with like, <laughs> that is disrespectful. I'm 30, I'm 30. 30 gang. Yeah, yeah. I'm a little younger, but. Macy, <laughs> how old are you? I'm 24, so. Okay, I'm, I'm 24. Yeah. I was kidding. <laughs> I'm 24. Yeah, yeah. but 90s, yeah. so there's no, there was no, well. There no, was no exactly. So, so that's why I understand what you mean. Like, back in the days, there was nothing uh, we could relate to in a way, right? Mm -hmm. But it's crazy how the media changed over the years. I would say, like, no disrespect with you, Macy, but. The media that we had 20 years ago because we're 30 and the media that you had at 24 is so different, so much different because it was highly uh, inspired by also the culture and the music, right? The music mm -hmm. changed so much, so much in six years, the rise of hip hop and the fact that um, the, the black culture was more accepted in the media as well. Yes, and in and, and that, and that um, I guess, fear, who, who was someone that you looked to um, that I guess, scream hip hop to you, who is someone who heavily influenced you um, in that sphere? For me? Yeah. It was uh, a lot of Outkast, for sure. I liked Outkast mm. a lot. And Usher. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Remember Usher back in the days, like in 2000s? You know, Usher was hot. 
Why do I got a new relationship and, with you? I was a baby, so I did it. <laughs> you see? So for, for you, you were a baby. But for me, I can remember like those years, like 2000, 2001, when I was going to high school and stuff like that. And, uh, and yeah. What about you, Tiff? Ooh, Miss Elliot. Yes. Um, for sure, for sure. Like, I'm an R&B head. Not, um, but yeah, Miss Elliot, I messed with heavy. And um, I don't know, off the top of my head, like I suck at remembering lyrics and artist names. But, but yeah, I was very much in that, like into the Usher, into like the R&B scene. TLC, for sure, for sure, for sure. Now I'm getting hyped. Yes. Destiny's yes. Child, you know. Yes, Brandy, I don't. Monica, I don't know if you all. I don't know if you all watched it, but there was um, the last dance with Michael Jordan, and I. One thing that really um, hit me really hard about him being in a sphere where there was no social media, and his presence as just an athlete was was enough to resonate with people to associate him as a mogul and as an image of um, well, firstly, black culture, but he he was an influencer of his time and he didn't need Instagram mm -hmm. for it. And, um, how sports also, uh, came into play in, um, black representation. And, um, it's just honestly so crazy to think about, um, a sphere where there wasn't any social media and how, um, black people were able to just get to that place of recognition, if I could say. Many of the, many of the shows you all mentioned too, like I used to watch those things, uh, those shows like uh, Proud, uh, Proud Family was one of them, That's a Raven, uh, Family Matters was another one, uh, amongst many other shows. And one thing like I've realized now by reflecting back to seeing like how things were in the media, for example, if you check up like um, like, so you had shows like Family Matters and Proud Family that was focused, you know, on black culture. Then you had other shows which will have uh, black characters, but I never understood as a kid why they were like kind of separated, you know, like you have one that's like, very concentrated on, on a culture and the other one is like just very homogeneous kind of like open and so on. So reflecting back, I saw like a lot of, um, a lot of the regular shows, let's say any superhero show or anything else, they will just have black characters, but they will not necessarily um, bring up the topic. Like they will never bring up like um, different issues or racism or whatnot. And then you had shows like um, Family Matters uh, that will like specifically take the time to talk about black culture and, and educate people and tell them like, what are the inequalities that people have? Uh, what are the, you know, the different disadvantages and so on? Like what is the, what is the history and so on? So it was very interesting to, to see that, but as a kid, you won't realize it. You know, like me growing up, uh, I, I wouldn't have realized like what was going on. I never, I just was like, oh, there's a show that's uh, concentrated, you know, on black culture. And then you have shows that are just not, you know? Um, so it, it, you know, today, that, today with all the knowledge that, you know, I have like learning about urbanism, learning about like how different systems work, you know, I, I, I could clearly see that, you know, separation it almost feels like it was done on purpose. Um, so it's, it, it's curious to like dig, dig deep and go look at like the writers and the people who are producing the shows and people who are running the TV stations and so on to see why such things happened the way that it was, you know? So yeah, that was like my observation for, for that. Agreed. Anyone else want to share upon their experience as a child? viewing black people on TV. Well, 
I didn't, I actually didn't have cable, so and I didn't watch a lot of TV, but uh, no, I mean, I, it was, I just watched the regular like Brady Bunch. I mean, I'm a totally different generation, right? So there was like no representation in most of the shows that I watched, you know, the, the Brady Bunch and even like the Bionic Woman and Wonder Woman and things like that. So it's, uh, especially not having cable because I didn't get any American shows whatsoever. And uh, so I, you know, it's a different, uh, being from a different generation, for sure, it's a different, uh, different note, you know. Very interesting, very interesting. Yeah. yeah, I really resonate with something that you said, Patrick, about um, the shows that portrayed highly concentrated, um, I guess, proportions of Black people in one space versus shows that um, maybe only had one Black character and, um, kind of this notion of preconceived narratives of that one singular black uh, character based on the fact that they are there alone. Um, so stereotypes and um, racism is heavily more dominant, I feel, and the narratives is what we speak of these shows if there's only one character. Sometimes it's like a black male and they're seen as like the, com the comedic relief, uh, which is like, mm -hmm you know, is systemically um, attached to um, Black men being ridiculed in time of slavery. So, like, um, all of these things are, like, progressive, have progressively been along, like, um, transferred into different systems, being media as well, watered down as we go along, but the essence and the fundamentals of what it is remains the same. Um, but it's hard to kind of dissect what it is if we don't know the history of things. Um, but definitely recognizing that there is an issue is step number one. Yeah. And, uh, and I've realized, like, I, I just discovered this show, like, about, like, a year ago or so. And uh, it's called uh, Degrassi. It's a Canadian-based show made here in one Toronto. One year? Drake! Yes. Drake, Where have you Drake. been, Patrick? <laughs> Jimmy! You discovered this last year? Something like that, yes, I know. What? I'm so late, but then I binge watched the whole series and, and I fell in love with okay. it. Um, but I, I, find, I find, you know, um, you know, this show was made here in Canada, contrast to all the other shows we talked about that was made in the US. And they did a very good job um, in like really pushing the limits in different issues, including talking about racism and giving That's cases, true. like what, whether it was the, the police stopping um, the two characters in, um, I think it was season 13 and so on. And there's other, other, other um, scenarios that will happen again. They will talk about like disadvantages and injustice that was done. Um, but yes, it, it was definitely um, one of the shows, you know, that's made here that really tackled. And that's interesting because like, we, and we talk about like, you know, like what, what do we have access to as a, as a show? Like Heather said, like I didn't have cable. And you know, some, some of you mentioned like how you had access to only, you were only watching American TV and stuff. Um, you know, whatever we're exposed to definitely, you know, shaped the way, you know, our upbringing was and how, how we, how we learn different things and how, how, you know, we go forward with, you know, with the, with the knowledge mm. and stuff that were shared to us. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I say Drake would not be Drake without the grassy. That's true. <laughs> Hold That's on, true. guys. The grass oh, yes. is there from the 80s or the 90s. Exactly. exactly. Yes, bro. We're in the next generation. Oh, sorry. I, I told, I'm a 95 baby, y'all. <laughs> like, the grass is very old. I must, I must say, um, 
for me, uh, working behind the scenes, um, I did work in the, in, uh, I guess, in the TV, I could say, and, and broadcast, rebroadcast industry. And I dealt with a couple companies uh, in California. Uh, and I've learned a lot of things uh, the past few years. Uh, all uh, broadcasters have certain formats. So some, form, some uh, broadcasts, which I won't say names, won't allow, uh, I could say, multicultural uh, people on like shows like no kissing black and white some of them won't allow won't allow uh, transgender gay and certain things some of them won't allow blacks at all some of them won't allow Jews so uh, it, which <laughs> which is very weird but uh, all of that and some allow won't, won't allow a lot of different it is all they all, all have this formula so if you watch Netflix a lot of the shows have a same formula depending on the category. And you know, some of them, if you're, you know, when it comes to, uh, I could say us uh, blacks, we're sticking to the sub subject, you know, there's only three categories we could fit, clown, um, drug, or a cop. <laughs> a cop that never, that dies early. <laughs> let's, let's put it that way. <laughs> let's put it that way. And, and, and it's a formula because it sells. And I understood that quickly. It was shocking. I understood it quickly, and it was uh, it was very very hard because it's a system that is implant that 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 that's there because it creates um, it creates money. To be honest, you know, uh, a lot of people are watching it. A lot of ignorance out there, and unfortunately, that's that's how we we're, we're being sold. You know, we're we're being sold as trap rappers and 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 drug dealers and. You know, how many are you going to see of us business people or influencers like Danielle up there? And, and or, or how many were you going to see that, you know, Jay-Z, you know, Jay-Z still has a past. They, could, they still could pull out dirt on him easily. You understand what I mean? Mm -hmm. so it's a yeah. short time, right? So it's, it's all of these things and people that are less articulate, people that are less, I could say, have a, a chance of representing us who we are for real. That's, that's the agenda, unfortunately, I've learned with time. And I'm talking really with experience and, and uh, a lot of years in this industry. Like, I'm, I'm 25 years, so I have saw many colors. and A shit. lot. Yes. And it's, 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 you know, it's hurtful at times. It's hurtful, but, mm -hmm. but for many races, too. You know what I mean? There's certain places that Jews cannot work. There's many places that, and you, you would be surprised that Jews cannot work. There's so many places that... Uh, Latinos cannot work. It's run by certain people. You know, in New York, it's run by black and Italians, mostly blacks now, their industry. But in California, it's mostly Jews and, and, and Caucasian people. And, it, it, you know, they, they, they decide who they want to work with. So it's, that's the world we live in. I just wanted to share that with you guys. I, I wanted to answer a previous question I think that Macy uh, asked a few minutes ago. Uh, for me, I watch a lot of American, even though I went to French school and elementary and in high school, I watch a lot of American uh, TV uh, because I grew up in NBG in, in uh, Montreal and it's very multicultural. I mean, we barely saw any Caucasian people. I myself, I'm half Spanish, half Moroccan. And for me, watching the black family shows like Family Matters, A Fresh Prince, uh, and other shows also that were the Cosby, absolutely. That was the only represented, representation of anything other than the mainstream um, uh, Caucasian shows that we could watch. 
that represented something closer to my values and what I was growing up at home with Spanish and Moroccan family ties and, and the food and the getting together and the, and the how we tease each other and have fun and what we do in the community, whether it was um, upper uh, class family or middle class family or whatever the show was representing, that's the closest thing we could have for a lot of eth ethno, uh, uh, different minority groups, you know, which I hate to use that word, but we understand what we're talking about. So for me, that was so positive to be able to see those families. Nevertheless, Roseanne, Roseanne and friends are still good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mm -hmm. Nevertheless, just to add there. <laughs> yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Amazing. Thank you for sharing. I mean, I resonate a lot with what you all said. It makes me think about, um, as, we, as we talk about Black people being represented in the media, I think we, we tend to think about it in the immediate uh, of what it is, like the visual of what it is. But it sounds mm -hmm. like in the higher ups of what it is, like the, the systemic um, parties that are running the media, the ones calling the shots, the ones at the very top, the broadcasters, the directors, are the ones who are calling the shots at the end of the day. And if there are no Black people in those rooms to voice um, what they want to be portrayed as on, in media, then it becomes to be a, a disruption. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass on to my second question because it could um, start a little bit of stimulation as to problem solving for these issues that we just brought up. Um, so how has it evolved? Has, how has media evolved uh, since your childhood? Do you still feel the same way? Do you still feel like there's misrepresentation? Do you feel that it's gotten better? Do you think that it's gotten worse? Especially with the rise of social media, being that now we get to see um, people, well, I'll speak for myself, someone uh, who is Black, um, have X amount of followers be verified. Um, it, it gives this illusion that we're being more accepted into uh, society. Um, so I'll, I'll invite my panelists first to um, answer the question. So how has media evolved since uh, your childhood? I think there's still a lack of representation, but I'm still optimistic about the future because of the introduction of social media. We all have we all have the possibility of having our own platform. So that means we don't have to answer to producers or directors or other people that have other types of agendas. We can really like put ourselves out there. But then we have to face backlash, you know, like depending on who our audience is, like there's some people that are gonna see themselves in us and it's gonna resonate with them. But then there's gonna be people that's like, especially during these times, it's like, why are you always posting about Black Lives Matter? Why are you always talking about racism? Like they're gonna question it. So I, as I was saying to reiterate, I'm, I'm optimistic because we have more power with platforms but we're still getting that backlash and I don't feel that there's enough representation when it comes to mainstream media. I feel, uh, I agree with what you say, totally. I feel like there's still a lack in representation, but um, let's be honest, we actually are on a lot of platforms. So we actually are there, we're able to build our own platform, to build our own shows. And I would say not only social media helped, but Netflix also helped a lot. Um, from what I've heard, Netflix was actually launching to be uh, with buying content for black people because we're the people that consume the most the media. 
So just with the rise of Netflix, with the rise of social media, we're able to take uh, a bigger space in the, in the media industry as well. But uh, you're looking at uh, Tyler Perry as well, uh, that built his own Black-owned studio as well, which is helping a lot. So I feel like there's a big change coming up right now. Also with the Black Lives Matter movement, there's so much change is happening. And I feel like all the things are happening right now to give us, to give us a bigger voice and for us to be uh, in more places as well. Agreed, agreed, agreed. I, I also believe that it's evolved. Actually, um, Steve, I'm happy that you brought up uh, Netflix. I think the fact that we're still not in the conversations of, let's say, um, Black TV shows or Black um, documentaries being made by Netflix. So um, two days ago, I found out that Netflix made a documentary. I don't have the title of what it is. And a statement was made that um, AIDS and HIV came from Haiti. Which, no, is a, which is a, a lie. <laughs> um, it's proven, there's scientific research, and it seems like there's a little bit of neglect um, when it comes to portraying Black people in a favorable light. Um, I don't know if this is because of the whole history and the whole baggage of neglect that's just been done over the time um, to Black people, but um, I do feel that there sometimes is a little bit of, of miscare with the information that we're trying uh, that these broadcasters or platforms are trying to put out when it comes to um, black people. So any thoughts about being in the decision making um, research based aspect of putting together um, these different uh, mediums and anyone's willing to jump in on that. Well, yeah. Well, if I could if, permit me to interject in this one, um, mm -hmm. we're living in a world of, of, of capital, you know, capitalism, it's money. And the way that this industry, when we talk media works, it's really about how much money you're going to be making. So when we're talking about shows, uh, Netflix or whatever, it's all about as well as, or, or any shows, even on TV, cable, TV or whatnot, it's all about commercials in between. So um, it, let's say us black people, do are we gonna be the one buying Dove? Or are we gonna be the one buying certain- uh, Jay Butter. Yeah, certain things, yeah, certain brands, you know, or are we gonna go to the, the most efficient or the cheap one or the natural ones? Cause now we're a lot in natural, uh, you know, natural products and skin and all of that. So they base themselves on who's gonna cons consume the most in the commercials, you understand? Is it women? Is it men? Is it black? Is it Caucasian? Is it Latino? And they really format their ways to make money. And as they capitalized lately on since Obama. So since Obama came, the black movement has been up there because we know we're, we're, we're stating our mind, we're who we are, we're saying what we are. And they're capitalizing on that since the, uh, Donald Trump said, as well, uh, he's going to build a border, Mexicans and things. There has been a, a you know a, 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 a surplus of certain Latinos things on TV and more more Latinos because it's it's the way they make money. Even on Netflix. Even on Netflix, mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot of Latino shows, international. So it's 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 all about money at the end of the day. And we all we're all going to be used at this point. Because right now, if you watch Netflix, you're going to see more Caucasian. You're going to see. Uh, what is it called? Uh, Son of Arnakis, or something that's really redneck. Uh, Geronimo, you're going to see, 
you know, certain things that speaks a lot of, of volume when it comes to race and inequality, because that's the, that's what we're living today, which was always there, but today it's, it's louder. So uh, the representation and the lack of seeing us, it's a question of money. Are we going to be the one that's going to buy more Dove, more, uh, you know, certain brand names? You know what I mean? Or we're going to buy from the Chinese. It's politics at the end of the day. You know, are we going to buy more hair, more products, more cutting? Like, it's politics of how much money and what, what's going on. Like, who's going to be voted next? All those big, major, uh, multinational deals are connected with votes and what their agenda. That, that's the reality I've, I've learned. Not, uh, it's not behind the scenes. It's what I've learned. Uh, if I'm wrong, when time will prove it wrong. But that's, that's really my experience. So with that said, uh, to make it in a nutshell, it's really money, money. And, and the easiest target, the easiest target, you spoke about Haiti, about AIDS and everything. And just to put certain things, there's a saying in, in, in Haiti, I'm Haitian, just that's how I put it out there. So uh, there's a saying, they said, we never throw rocks at a, a, I said, a green mango. We're going to trade when it's, when it's, you know, ready to be consumed. We throw the rocks and we could take it. So they throw, they, they, basically the, the whole, this whole industry is, hitting at people that know that could take it on their back. You know, so blacks, Latinos, Arabs, uh, even Asians are coming soon in that game. And uh, brown people, where we're talking about Filipinos, India and everything, them too, they're going to get a hit soon. We were always the, the sorry, the, 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 front the, the front line, the black people, which until today. And unfortunately, um, I don't want to go, I don't want to bring this very far, but they attack what is um, with no power. We have no armies, almost no African country has no armies, no defense, no nothing. And that's why it's easy to attack because nobody's going to stand for you. That's really what it stands for. All those countries that you see are fighting right now, uh, it's all about the, 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 how much they, they're, they're worth. Like America's and China, are up there competing. They could fight each other because they have so much army and everything. Most African countries don't have that. If something happens to us, there's no country that will defend us. We don't have that. And be the first thing was to think that. So that's where it is at. The media, it's all connected. And I don't want to burst your bubble, but this is what it is. It's all connected in a politic standpoint of view and agenda. I'm sorry to, to, to say, I'm just being myself and no. saying, but that's what it is, and I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> wow, thank you for sharing. Thank you. Um, you I, I resonate with that a lot. Um, it's unfortunate to think that that is the reality, but it is. And I can't help but to think about the fundamental start of all of that, which is colonial, colonialism, if I think about it, because Africa is or i hope is still and at the beginning was a fruitful and prosperous land where people came to extract their riches so if now they are powerless i don't like to use the word powerless but they um are more vulnerable um it is due to things that they literally did not ask for and did not control so it's sad to think about it in that way and and the optimism in me wishes that we can rewind and kind of and when people speak of reparations, I think that's kind of what we talk about, like 
reparations for the damage, but it's definitely been um, a whole system that's been oppressing and has damaged um, even even till this day, even representation as black people in the media. Um, does anyone else have um, something to say about the um, evolution from childhood to uh, now, I guess, of seeing black people I have a question in the media? To, mm -hmm. to ask um, the participants. Um, I know that like in the States, they have their own network, BET, and we don't have anything that's quite similar. Do you think, obviously it won't resolve the problem, but do you think it would facilitate our, our independence or like just having our, our own voices on our own type of network? You think that's something that's feasible on a Canadian type of scale? I don't think so because I feel like right now, people actually don't even consume TV that much. So it's not about having a BET, it's mostly about having stronger online presences that would help in Canada. But in terms of television, I don't like. You think TV is dead? Don't even name. I don't think TV is dead. TV is dead. You know, I don't think it anymore. It's dead. You know. Um, I don't even have like satellite. <laughs> like, right. Like, Tip is like defending it, and she like, even has I don't even have. I, just, I don't remember the last time I watched TV. I just, like, I just play want to advocate. You know. There's, there's actually two things that people can still watch on TV that will make sense in a way, and it's either sports. Or, or news, that's it. And the only reason people watch sports on TV is because sports didn't come on YouTube yet. And news, I mean, let's be honest, all the news channel on YouTube now, right? But other than that, like TV is kind of dead, you know? No, but obviously we wouldn't broadcast on, a, on TV. It would be a digital platform, but wouldn't that- Oh yeah, for sure then, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure that would help. I mean, uh, a lot of people are building the net, their digital platform right now. Uh, I'm looking at, but maybe not Canadian, but I'm looking at platforms such as Blavity, um, The Shade Room, stuff like that, which actually oh, like our black culture that people can check it online. It would be nice if we had a Canadian one, even better if we had a French one for people to Quebec to feel it. But you're right, this will make a difference in a way for sure. Mm -hmm. I, I invite, I don't know where uh, most of our uh, invitees are from, but um, us three are from Montreal. And one thing that I struggle a lot, um, when we talk about black representation on television, it's, it's even harder for me because I have an extra layer of being an English speaking uh, black person here in the city and knowing that I'm not open to the same opportunities because it's not that I don't speak French, it's just that I don't sound like um, what the ideal French person sounds like. So for me to be portrayed in French media would even be a struggle. Have you um, either Daniel or Tiffany uh, been, succumbed any um, kind of, I don't want to say discrimination, or have you had any hardships when it comes to the language um, barrier that there is here in the city? Absolutely. I remember I was shooting a commercial for Microsoft, and the day of the shoot, they're like, we're going to do it in French. And just like you, like, I speak French, but I'm not myself. I can't showcase my personality in French so I don't know I, I felt like I, I didn't really enjoy that it happened in French um, because it's not really what I signed up for but I still like came through but it's just like I, I feel like I didn't sound as articulate or as competent um, I didn't get my message across because of the language barrier but Steve is fluently bilingual 
Yeah, I, mean, I, just, I was just thinking about that. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm bilingual, but I'll be honest with you, I still feel a difference with the energy that I provide in French and the energy that I provide in English. There's something I'm working on to put in on the same le level because I do produce more content in English, but my energy in French is way better than my energy in English, to be honest with you. So that's something I'm working on right now. But I feel like this is one of the beauty that we have in Montreal, the fact that it's a city with a lot of, um, it's like a multicultural city. Uh, the fact that we speak more than one language. And that's something that I feel that people are not taking advantage enough to, to, to bloom in the media space right now. Agreed, agreed. And I think that's, that's when we speak of um, systemic racism or this, this systemic discrimination. We could think about the laws that are in place to, um, I guess, prohibit people from expressing themselves um, with the English language at the end of the day. I, like, I grew up in the West Island. When I went into the city for Sijep, I had a culture shock. I was like, what? People speak French here? What? I know, I know J tu a i a. That's all. <laughs> no, I knew how to speak French. Coming from a Haitian family, we spoke French a lot at home, but it was like a whole identity crisis and a whole new level of, I guess, um, learning that I had a, a whole bunch of other things I have to acquire to make it in, in a business that I thought I was already ready for. Um, so with that being said, could we get into what kind of solutions uh, we can address when it comes to Black representation in the media? What kind of solutions jump to mind? Are they big? Are they micro? Do they start with you? Do they start as a society? I think Steve really, he summed it up really well earlier by saying we need to focus on our individual platforms and build those to the biggest capacity they can be. Yeah, and, and the, the other thing I want to say about that is the fact that um, brands, brands want to work with us, but they don't know where to find us. So let me explain. Brands, they love the culture. They love us. Let's be honest. They love us because we, we, we can bring a different spice to the game, right? But they don't know where to find us because when you look into Quebec, uh, the influencers, like 85, 90% of them, are, are, are white people and they stand together, right? When, when I go to events and I see the influencers, like you will see all the white people. And I'm so surprised that right now in Quebec, on, we don't have like Arabic influencers that are big or Asian influencers that are big, right? So that's the first thing. So if we can work as building ourselves together, we can actually go to these brands. And that's why I like Patrick's platform because Patrick's been helping a lot of community um, and helping a lot, like, you see, Macy, your host for Patrick, uh, Tiff, you're, you've been a host, I've been a host, like, like Patrick, actually helping a lot of people to actually make themselves known in the media space right now in Quebec, because I've worked with several brands, and, and sometimes I look, and I'm just like, wow, like, they just don't know where to find us, because even the big, uh, the big influencer agency, they don't have any people of color, right, or I have a friend, uh, she, I, have, I have a friend, she's black, and she signed with an agency, and the agency will get those deals that need black people, and they will just give it to her right away because she was the only one there, right? So they're looking for us. It's just for us, we need to find a way to be uh, more known and to be able to work together. So when they're looking for us, they can find us. <sighs> can I ask something? That's a question, basically, and, and, and I'm asking myself that same question. 
all of, let's say all of us were all uh, uh, entrepreneurs, company owners, and we have a vision and a mission for our company. And let's say it's all media. We have a mission. And our mission is to say this year is we're going to put up more uh, women from 30 to 45 years old that are housewives and that are rich housewives, you know, like when, uh, what's that show, uh, Desperate Housewives that came out? Yeah, you know, you know that, that was a trend. That became a trend. A lot of people start watching that. And a lot of people try to adopt in that life. Let's say that's our, our vision. So when we have a vision and a mission as a company, all of you, let's say, nothing's going to disrupt your vision and your mission because you decided to do that. So the solution that we may think may apply in media may not apply until you own your own. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what I believe. That's what I see. Because if I decide one agenda and, or one mission vision, that's what I'm going to follow. No matter who comes try to disrupt my, my you know, that's what I decided. So as us, and I say again, with respect for everybody, that's there. Us uh, that wants to see more blacks on, on, on a media, well, YouTube, Instagram, like some of you said, and all of these outlets gave us possibility to, to, to connect with the world and, and project our, our, what we want to project our message. Nevertheless, if uh, WhatsApp, Instagram, Facebook decides to close tomorrow and say, you know what, I'm going to try something new tomorrow, we're close, a lot of us are doomed because we don't have our own site. We didn't, you know, you know what I mean? We didn't format ourselves to be. Uh, like to have our own because we're, we're dependent of all of that. So today for me, the solution will be all of us should be independent. All, those, all of us, every single part of us should be strong enough to put the message and what you want to put out as a content because the possibility is there. That's, that's really what I think. That's good. That's true. Great. Anyone else have something to share when it comes into solutions, problem solving? Yeah, well, I wanted to like um, kind of combine everything we spoke with today, like saying how from like you asked the question of has things changed and on traditional media, it hasn't. And like we learned how, you know, we spoke about it here, like how there's like so much political agendas behind all these things. And then with, you know, social media, we have the platforms and stuff. So it's like, it's kind of like seeing, I, I know like before this whole conversation, we, we, us, we spoke and you know, how Tiffany said, what can we do with um, like people who have control over the media, people, you know, like politicians and stuff like, you know, the past, past so many years, people have been like media producers have been like kind of forcing, bring diversity in their content and not, not necessarily like making it flow as it should flow. So it's like, yeah, it's like, what, it, what is it that we can do? to pressure them to making making those changes and having you know much more uh, better like stronger representation because for example when we talk about settings if we see a certain demographic how are they represented are they represented as middle class rich poor like what what kind of setting are they placed in you know like like that that plays a big thing because like if if we keep seeing a certain demographic at a certain style let's say like a certain setting then we're going to create that stereotype and keep on, you know, keep, yeah, perpetuating yeah. the, 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 uh, the system, the narrative, the system, mm -hmm. you know, like we're, we're going to keep on yeah. pushing that. Uh, but if, you know, like each one of you have their own platform 
and you you know like you cannot be more than yourself you, you are yourself on those those platforms now it's just like bring it up so one question i have to every everyone here is that do you feel there is some sort of maybe inequality even now on social media for you like do you feel like like you you, you get less recognition because of your skin color is that is that, is that a thing i would i would say no on social media no but that's me <laughs> i don't know because i don't ever want to have kind of a victim mentality i just always reframe it as a challenge so I, I can't even come up with an example of like me experiencing discrimination on social media because of my skin color but i've heard i've heard other stories and it's it is very prevalent it's not something that you just thought of it's something that actually happens it's just i, I don't have something to speak to personally mm -hmm. i i would say it's a challenge too i think i think what has happened and it's hard to uh, dissect this and to accept this is um, that I've become one of the key black girls to go to if they're looking for an influencer. But that means that they're not giving the ratio of opportunity that they give to white influencers to black influencers is there's a huge disproportion. And all I've been able to, well, obviously I know what I carry, I know what I have, but what happens is we start to tokenize uh, a subgroup of black people oh these are the black people we can go to and then it's no one else but these people but then when it comes to um black influencers there's there's a lot of them i think we can all agree on that so i i do recognize it's been a challenge but um i can't i maybe at the beginning stages a bit of of everything that i've been trying to pursue but um that's for me yeah, because just quickly, like definitely, like on our on our platform on WhatsApp Montreal, you know, whenever we got to choose a host and whatnot, you know, like uh, we never, like I never saw like one host get better recognition or something because of their differences. Like it's always been topic related and so on. So I know on my part, I haven't seen that, and I know like social media has been a place for love for diversity. No matter what form of diversity it is, people have been showing love, and like people who've been trolled and stuff they've they've usually received a, an army of love defending them and saying hey what are you doing You're, you don't have a place here you know so that's like one of the differences that i've seen on you might say the internet media versus traditional media and um yeah like like definitely we, if we can like keep on pushing and being ourselves then um you know taking up the space and stuff we can definitely make a difference with our voices Agreed. Agreed. Yes. We must not never forget our geographical position. Yeah, Canadians, we are one. I could say nation that's apart versus Amer Americans, and um, uh, we are more. We accept more. We understand more. We have a certain way. Canadians, we, when you travel in Canada, if you travel in Canada and you travel in the United States, I lived in the United States for two years for work. It's two different world, two different approach, and the ignorance is very high in America. Canadians, we, it's, it's like very small. Quebec is like maybe one of the highest, I could say. <laughs> you understand what I mean? And maybe Toronto when it comes to business, because when you go to, when you go to the business uh, you know, uh, world, it's mostly Caucasian men. But does that mean it's them not accepting or does that mean we have to step up? 
that is something else. You know, it's all formulas that we have to accept. But Canadians, we are at a very well placed, I find. So that's me with, with my experience. But again, all of you maybe have different experience. Uh, yeah, one thing I would definitely love to see, uh, as long as, I guess, traditional media, you know, will continue <coughs> on existing, I would say like, um, you know, like not shying off of tackling the issues and just general and not, not just, you know, you know, black um, representative like television, but also like, like other shows that, that show diversity, but start tackling. Like I know, you know, I see often they tackle about LGBTQ, they'll talk about, you know, they'll tackle other issues, but they rarely talk about racism. And I think that's one thing they should start doing so that people can know that, you know, they're, you know, they exist and finding solutions, you know, by providing them, uh, you know, um, on TV, let's say, so people can like take, take away from it and, and start, you know, um, applying them into their, into their day to day. -to -day. Mm -hmm. And since I have you guys here, <laughs> I'm take advantage of this. Um, do you guys think in terms of credibility, it's still worthwhile to chase the mainstream medias, even though they're diffusing through uh, digital platforms now, do you guys think it's still worth it? It's good to make money if you want to make money. Mm -hmm. like stable mm -hmm. income, yeah. But you don't really get to stay true to yourself, right? Exactly. If, if it's a... If it's a platform that is um, in place to silence and or dilute the beliefs that I have as, as a person, I'd rather just do, do my own thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we're also in a time where people are speaking their truths about things, and I feel like the ears are more open and lenient to hear. So they would be in the wrong to, you know, slam in their face like, oh, we don't want to hear it. Like, now that everyone's voicing that, um, obviously the media is controlling what they want to put out there um if we voice and say well you i don't want you to dilute my messages then they're in the wrong ultimately they've always mm -hmm. been in the wrong it's just now everyone knows that they're in the wrong facts yeah well i was really inspired by this whole conversation to like really become more serious about using my platform as a mediatic mediatic is that a word like a, a media platform Cause like, I kind of like let it go when I started working full time. And now, you know, I think we really spoke about the importance of having our own and using our own. So that's what I, that's what I took from this conversation. And I think that could be a solution for a lot of content creators. Nice. Agreed. I agree with that. I mean, it's all about building your own platform and be able to have your own voice that stands out. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm always a fan of being multi-platform. So, uh, like you said, you know, if Instagram shuts down one day, you know, maybe your, your voice is going to be silent. So it's good maybe to have your own website, uh, YouTube channel, Facebook presence, Instagram, just so that people can at least find you more than just one place, you know, because, uh, I don't say to be everywhere because sometimes if you're everywhere, you cannot really sustain to be everywhere, but just to be able that you have a right, like representation of yourself on many platforms. Very important. True. <laughs> I, I can't think of a day without Instagram. I feel like we would all be running around like headless chickens. At least for me, I would be <laughs> like, ah, what do I do? Where do I get people? But yes, very good point, uh, Steve. I thank you both, Steve and Tiff, for being on the panel, giving so much insight um, as to your childhoods, 
um, the evolution of uh, Black rep representation on media and um, some hopeful solutions that you wish to see in the times coming. Um, I had a pleasure moderating this discussion at Rec Play. Thank you so much for participating and I wish y'all a great and dope night. <laughs> Take care. Thank you, see you. Did you enjoy this episode? Join us for weekly conversations, share your stories and tips with us, and meet amazing people. Most of our podcasts are recorded with a live, engaging audience. For more information, visit www.creatorhq.org.